In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Cool. So, we're doing this podcast. And uh, this is something that we always wanted to do. Uh, well, I'm not sure about you. For the you. last month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for you, maybe for the last month. <laughs> no, no. But say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of had this in yeah. mind for, I think, the last two years. Okay. Um, but when I had the idea, it wasn't really... Um, it didn't really turn out to be anything. Um, it was just kind of this idea that was sticking along in the back of my head. Yeah, yeah. And then it was kind of this year, it was kind of like more prominent or maybe mm. it was like the right time. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should like talk to people. And you were one of the first people I think I spoke about mm. uh, about the podcast. And you were like, you were like so excited as much as I was. Mm. And we were, uh, let's see what we can do. So here we are on the first episode. I'll tell you, actually, like, it wasn't actually the first because remember, the first thing I said was actually, man, I wanted to do this too. But it was something different. So I was at Radio Maria for something with uh, with a few friends of mine and um, with um, the NET team, the National Evangelization team um, in, in, in or around Dublin. So they called us to talk about this group called Sanctum that we run, uh, that we're part of, you know. And uh, as I was there, they were talking about, listen, we're here, we're a radio station, we're open, you can come in anytime and we can kind of, you can do whatever you want. If you have any ideas, we're, we'd love to kind of host you, like, you know. So uh, they were looking for content, like, you know. And in my head, I was actually, like, you know, on the Facebook page for Sanctum, I had started the, this thing called Testimony Thursdays, just kind of sharing stuff. But, like, I... I I was bad at social media, so I couldn't kind of keep that going. But I really wanted to do something there that was like invite people whose stories people don't hear and just kind of talk. Uh, it's a place for everywhere people can just share their testimony, share their journey through life, share their faith journey, all of those things. You know, ah, no, it's definitely <laughs> none of that's going to happen. I was like, I parked everything to say. And then you came up with this and I was like, yes, let's do this. And like the, the thing I'm bad at doing is actually I'm bad at like taking the critical steps to do something like you know I've got ideas and I do all this and my wife calls me a plant which I thought was an insult but it wasn't actually it's a kind of a team thing like you know but so you've already spoken a little bit about yourself so um, we know that you're married we yeah. know that uh, your wife's pregnant yeah, yeah. Uh, so what else what else do you want your want our listeners to know oh uh, nothing um where, where did I stop again I'm completely lost now. yeah <laughs> sorry this happens like you know so um uh, what else? So you're I'm, Naveen, uh, first of all. Oh, my name is Naveen. Uh, who are you? Sorry. I'm yeah. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, yeah. So um, we've known each other for three, four years. Uh, yeah, or four, four and a half. Yeah, know. four to five. Yeah, yeah, around that. Yeah. So um, I got married last year um, in June, July. Oh, no. So start of July. And um, uh, we're pregnant with our first child. So... Um, and what else is there? I'm part. Uh, I'm part of a movement called Jesus Youth, which is a, uh, which is a missionary movement at the ca- service of the Catholic Church. That's the best way that we define the movement. Like you know, so um, I've been part. Like I've um, usually this is uh, this is a conversation I've had with a friend of mine uh, named Kieran. Um, it was just why do we always define ourselves by our jobs? Every time we're like, oh, my name is Naveen. I work for Aircom, but. We have no other normal way of saying things like, you know, to, to kind of talk about ourselves. But the one of the things we were talking about was like, we should go who we are, like, you know, but how do we say who we are? But one of the things, it was part of my faith journey where I was like, who am I? You know, wh- wh- what am I if all the things that I do and like all the outside things are stripped away? Like, you know, so that was part of it. That was integral to my faith journey, actually. And, w- b- and but it's really awkward saying it to people like, you know, hi, I'm Naveen. I'm a, I'm a child of God. Like, you know, that's really weird. People are like, what's up with you, weirdo? Like, you know, so that's why I kind of go, I work for Aircom, which is so much less cooler. But, you know, that's what I say. Yeah. yeah. 
Cool. So that's uh, that's just about. My wife's name is Jennifer. Uh, our child's name hasn't been revealed yet. So yeah. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that's it. Is there anything else? Um, no, I think that's yeah, yeah. that's a good overview. So I'm I'm Daniel. Um, so yeah, like we've known each other for a couple of years. Uh, now that you said that to define us by not what we do, I feel like I have to say I'm a child of God and not say my <laughs> job. No, but dude, because your job is cool. Like it's really cool. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone's job is cool in their own ways. Uh, so I work for a software company. Um, so I do a oh, lot yeah, of other stuff. You work stuff, for so. that software company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also kind of run it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the. That's what Naveen is trying to imply there. Uh, but I think. Uh, so I've been on my faith journey for the last, I think, 10 years and s- similar to yours mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but obviously, uh, I've grown over the years um, and uh, especially mean, obviously last... you've grown over the years, like, like uh, as if I, everybody grows, but I guess I've grown very in large steps in the last two years, um, two or three years. Uh, so I think that's kind of all led us to this podcast, podcast that we're doing, yeah. right? Uh, but I Everything think one of the... Everything in our life has actually come together to yeah, this, this is, moment. This is the moment. <laughs> this is the, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think one of the things that we have to just establish for everyone who's listening is that we're not theologians. We're not philosophers. Uh, we're just people who have a lot of interest in these things. And we've been very fortunate to have people in our lives, in our communities, who are theologians and philosophers. Um, and we have learned to think a certain way with their influence and also our own interests from mm-hmm. learning by ourselves. Uh, and so this podcast is not more of a teaching. It's more of a um, a discussion or an outlet. Two guys talking over coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An, an outlet where we are just still formulating our ideas. So I don't think anyone should take this as like, this is the, the 100%. The truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so just yeah, setting yeah. that at the forefront so no one thinks we're like theologians and philosophers. Um, I was actually thinking like, you know, philosophers, because um, uh, part of my faith journey, like uh, my friends have had a huge role to play, like, you know, uh, regardless of where they were at their faith journey, they've always kind of uh, like it's talks, it's conversations I've had with them. But at any time, like one of my best friends, uh, Nikhil, actually, um, anytime we engage in some sort of any sort of philosophy conversation, we go for long hours, like, you know, but more often than not, like, okay, uh, a majority of times, like, you know, it ends with poop jokes and fart jokes. So that's our level of philosophy. We're no Aquinas or Aristotle anyway. But yeah, so there's wow. that. That's the, uh, I'm sorry, I kind of reduced that. So to, well, hopefully we don't yeah, end up talking about We don't about end up those. there. Yeah, yeah um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what we're going to do is we're going to go and chat about a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, but hopefully, having said that we're not theologians and philosophers, uh, we do need to give credit to ourselves that like we wouldn't claim we have the 100% truth or we wouldn't be the best authority on what we say uh but more that like we do we have learned certain things mm. over the years so whatever we do say is backed by our own studying looking into things and from experience mm. it's not completely made up either yeah. so we are going to refer to a lot of other people that we have learned things from as much as possible as like, much yeah, as possible yeah, yeah. instead of just putting it out there and people thinking that this is just our clever ideas mm-hmm. um so to start off with for this episode anyway we were thinking of just chatting about a high level overview of christianity um and what it is what is the church and kind of more about uh truth 
So Where's Mere Christianity. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so Mere Christianity uh, is our favorite book, one of the favorite books that C.S. Lewis has written. Uh, but we're going to start at a very basic high level, uh, just exploring uh, the church. So given that the the case for Christ is strong and this the case for Christ we'll kind of make as a whole separate episode mm, okay, but yeah. let's assume that there is a very strong f- case for Jesus and who he claimed he was and what he left behind and he left behind the church so what is the church well church isn't the only thing that he left behind okay. I um he left the Holy Spirit he has given us authority and all of these things but let's start at the church so what is the church all right. It's uh, <clears throat> a good question. One of the, just before I go into that, one of the things when you said the case for Christ, there's a book called Case for Christ. You know that, right? Uh, oh, is there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's called The Case for Christ. Like, you know, it's... Uh, I'm it's pretty cool. sure I heard that somewhere. That's yeah. probably why it's just like stuck in my mind. There's a film. There's a film. It's uh, basically, it's by a journalist named Lee Strobel. And I don't know his story, like, you know, I and I haven't read the whole book. Okay. But um, one of the things was I was during a certain period of time, my mom and my mother signed me up for um, adoration. And uh, most of the time uh, she signed me up, uh, she told me, sign sign up there's a chapel there you go uh, you pray for an hour and they need people to pray for, uh, to sign up so I took the easiest slot like you know so we go to mass every every Sunday at around uh, 10 half 10 so there's a slot at 11 o'clock so I was like okay I don't have to go back or anything like that I can just kind of move over there and do that like you know so uh, I went in there and I used to kind of sit there and sleep for a lo- uh, for a while like you know so that like no matter even now if I go to sit in prayer like you know and if it's a long period I sleep for um, a section of that like you know it just kind of happens but um the ones actually my mom came to check up on me just to see where i was going i uh, show so much trust like you know but anyway so she kind of came to check up on me and i was like i'm just there sleeping and my sister was there she kind of went off uh, of her own volition you know and um she was like uh, she's just looking at me and just kind of smiled away because she's kind of seeing would i hit the uh, the the pew in front of me or not like you know anyway so it was during that time i was really kind of confused about um um jesus like you know how do we know anything that the Bible says is true? Like, how do we, how can we trust the, like, who was Jesus? Maybe there was a person there, like, you know, but like they could have, because that was a time when the Da Vinci Code came out and all of those things happened. So I was just like, how do we know? So I just found that book lying there called The Case for Christ. And for the next three or four weeks, every time I went in there, I read that. I didn't sleep, actually. I read that book uh, as much as I could. And I kind of went back because it was like, it was a t- um, for me at that time, my reading level, it was just a tough read. Like, you know, so I kind of went back and was like, okay, is that true? Like, you know, that kind of thing. And I kind of, th- certain times I had to close that down and just kind of sit and think about it. And, um, th- and just like in those moments, that was a f- uh, like, I genuinely tried to pray. Like, you know, I was like, Lord, tell me, talk to me, that kind of thing. And certain things spoke to me. And after a while, I was just really convicted about the truth of the Gospels. And like, I just had enough of reasons to believe rather than, rather than like saying what my mother said, like, you know, you should believe because I told you so, or like, because it's the truth. How do we know it's the truth? Because I said so, or something along those lines, you know, I just had enough reasons and that kind of made a case for Christ in me. So if Christ is real, if Jesus is real, you know, again, I haven't had a personal kind of encounter. I don't know him as a person. I just know of him by what people say. And uh, I haven't even read the Gospels properly. All I know is actually the readings during Mass and stuff. So um, so the thing is, if Christ is real, then what else follows from there? And one of the things that followed up was actually the church. So by, um, again, uh, the church, there's, there's so much objections to the church, like, you know, but the, the, one of the things that really um, 
and it 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 really isn't something that's credited to me because this was something as we were you gave me a few questions to prepare and uh, to kind of just look over and stuff and um, one of the things that I was um, uh, thinking about uh, while I was preparing was it's nothing to do with me because it really was a grace of God where so, so about certain key issues I was convicted of the truth that the that the church stood for and I was uh, so that kind of prompted me to go what is the church you know mm. and so uh, like we could have a mystical answer of like you know which would be the church is the body of Christ okay so that's what the bible says like you know just like uh, Christ is the head and the church is the body but um there's more kind of um um i don't want to say more real but there's more of a kind of a normal kind of in our own kind of yeah. world kind of answer uh, would be it's a community of believers that's mm. one um there's there's lots of symbols for the church i was just looking up like you know the, what are the names for the church like you know and um the, the household of god is another thing the, the by household it means family of god and um uh, you've read the book um the father who keeps his promises right it was a, it was a beautiful book that were like um that really kind of brought to life the the what the church is you know the yeah. family of god yeah. it's a, it's the relationship it's what this relationship is and what this religion is like you know so mm. so uh, i have a few bible verses here right, which, on, yeah. which say about the church mm. right so Jesus you either seems, imply something or explicitly say mm. so okay yeah so in matthew 16 verse 18 he says to peter on this rock i will build my church mm. uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail it so he is so jesus is clear that he has come to build something mm. uh which is the church and he spoke a lot about the kingdom mm-hmm. and in other places like say Romans 16:5 uh he also says something which refers to probably more of what you said about a family or something so he says greet the church that is in their house so paul is referring mm-hmm. to a church in the house so mm-hmm. it's not referring to a physical building mm-hmm. he's not referring to an organization what if they have a miniature church they have and just go hi like no okay but i'm pretty sure he was <laughs> yeah, referring yeah, to yeah. the people yeah, yeah. or or a certain form of structure or something right mm. so it's a community of yeah yeah believers. so it's definitely something that jesus was very clear that he was here to do Yeah. It wasn't just a consequence that like uh, some people had this idea that like the church is kind of man-made that mm-hmm. Jesus came and gave us all these teachings he spoke about the kingdom mm-hmm. but then when Jesus left people kind of got together and they decided oh we need an organization or we need mm-hmm. we need some sort of structure uh but could you say that it isn't man-made Yeah like there's so much um there's actually uh Can I just look through the images of the church yeah. actually real quick? Um there was something it was just yesterday I was looking through this and um just the images of church it's all of this kind of come through when what we're talking about so just so people aren't taken by surprise actually. So the church speaking of the mic. Oh sorry. Yeah, the church. The names and images of the church. So um oh y- you can explain this better. The ecclesia part. Do you want to No? no, you go for it. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. So uh, we'll talk about that later. So the calling out. Okay. So the symbols of the church, there is um the body, which is the first one. It's it's the idea of marriage. You know, that the whole um all of salvation history, all of um the te- the teachings of uh, Christianity, all of it can be summarized in one way into marriage. 
you know. So uh, then there is uh, the sheepfold, which is kind of Jesus reverse uh, the sheepfold. Um, then the cultivated field about like the um, in the parable of the sower, that kind of thing. And then there is um, the building of God or the household of God. And then there is the new Jerusalem, that kind of thing. And it was also a plan born in the Father's heart. So that that's the main part, though. That's kind of answers the question that you have, like, you know, is the church man-made? So um, the church itself teaches about, sorry, what the church teaches about herself. So, um, yeah, it's, um, what I'm, uh, I had another thought there, because sometimes when we look at what something is or who someone is, we kind of ask everyone else except the person. Mm. So to find out who the church is, you have to ask the church. Like, you know, another thing um, I remember someone say during mass, if you want to know what the church teaches or who the church is, you have to listen to how the church prays because that really reflects on who we are, you know. So but uh, it is a plan born in the father's heart. The reason uh, we say that is actually because um, Jesus kind of throughout uh, we, we're doing this Bible study on the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, and all of all in all of this, actually, again, we're assuming the gospels are trustworthy. The uh, the Bible is trustworthy. There is authority there, and um, let's assume that for a moment. So, assuming that the Gospel of Matthew is um, trustworthy and it's uh, authoritative, God inspired scripture, um, we have to go. What did Jesus preach throughout the Gospel of Matthew? You know, Matthew records over and over again as him preaching from the start to the end it's all about the kingdom it starts with john uh, it starts with the um the, the whole genealogy which is the most boring part sometimes like you know and it starts with uh, like uh, it's the generation of kings um the genealogy of the kings and it ends with jesus and then there is um the other part where uh, john the baptist talks about the kingdom of heaven is here so it's always about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god so jesus himself kind of goes uh, I can't remember if he says it explicitly or implicitly, but the thing is, he's here to establish the kingdom or he's here to fulfill the kingdom. So in the Old Testament, which we know God clearly established, mm. like, you know, there is the there is the nation of Israel. And then it's kind of upgraded in some ways to the covenant where it becomes the kingdom of Israel, you know? And uh, then uh, the, the Davidic line seems to be broken and there seems to be some problem. But Matthew says, no, it's not broken. Jesus is the descendant of David. And suddenly, like, for the Jews, it would be like, what? You know? And um, then after that, when Jesus preaches the kingdom, he clearly establishes things that were in the Davidic kingdom, mm. but in their fulfillment. You know? Well, like, when we look at it, look at the uh, gospel record uh, or the... Matthew's testimony, you could call it that, like, you know, because these, that's what it is, actually, it's a witness account. So if you look at Matthew's testimony, it's all Jesus establishing the kingdom, and is him establishing certain roles and functions, which were there in the Davidic kingdom, uh, as it evolved, uh, he's kind of fulfilling it, and establishing it. So in many ways, actually, um, in The Father Who Keeps His Promises, Scott Hahn talks about this. And the way I understood it was this. So the, at the start, there was this covenant with man and um, with Adam. It was a marriage. It was, it was mm. a family. And he broke it. All right. All right. The first uh, the man didn't keep his side. But God, being faithful and it being a covenant, he stayed faithful. And he established a second covenant with Noah, where it's um, first it's a couple, then it's a family, Noah and his family. And then uh, a third one with Abraham, which is a tribe, 
like a lot of people like you know and um again abraham too wasn't fully faithful and uh, the people the tribe itself wasn't faithful um then there is the um what's the next one um what came after abraham? david abraham no, no. Moses. and then moses yeah and david so moses there's a nation and again like Two minutes after the covenant, like you know, they're like they, they've been shown so much. They've like it's sometimes atheists kind of go, if God could show me, uh, if we grow the limb of uh, and a war veteran, I would um, I'd believe in God. But like, if you see the story of the Israelites, like there was like fire and brimstone, yeah, like you know, of fire, yeah, and a cloud a during cloud, day, yeah, the ten plagues, the the the, the Red that, Sea splitting, yeah, exactly, and they they were always kind of experienced that presence of God. And in the presence of God, they committed adultery. They were like, oh, we we're going to worship this bull calf. They all knew it wasn't really God, like, you know, but what they worship, um, a church father say what they worshiped was the bull calf represented four things, uh, wealth, honor, pleasure, and power. And in many ways, it's the same sin of Adam and Abraham and Noah and all of those guys, actually. So, um, so again, man broke the covenant. God still remains faithful. Like, you know, it, it, there is consequences to breaking the covenant, like in the Bible. Like, you know, if you break a promise, you have to, you have to pay some sort of price. But nobody pays a full price there, you know. Um, but then uh, David comes along and there's the kingdom established. And uh, he too isn't really faithful. And even the kingdom of Israel isn't faithful. They repeatedly go into idolatrous practices, like, you know, just ridiculous child sacrifice and all of those things. So they weren't really the best of people either. And then um, after David, uh, the, the prophets keep foretelling a time of fulfillment where there will be a new covenant written in the hearts of the people. And there will be, um, and again, like it's it's just this line, like you know, uh, the covenant is always, um, it's it's when two people who are now family become family. It's like marriage, like you know, me me and Jennifer, we didn't know each. Well, we knew, but like we weren't family, like you know. And I'm still getting to know her. Like yesterday, I, I told her, like you know, oh, I know how to play Spirit of God on the keyboard. I was like what? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> and there's like other uh, things that she's know. What? You didn't tell me that. Some things are good. Some things aren't great. Like you know. But anyway, yeah. So um, we're still getting to know each other. But that's the thing. Um, Uh, in covenant, two people who are now family become family. And God always kind of uses this phrase. All the prophets kind of say this, like, um, they will be my people and I will be their God. That's the covenant. It's a beautiful, like, uh, union between God and man. And um, this covenant will be everlasting. You won't mm. break it. So it's almost like, and then I'll end it actually. Yeah. So Jesus kind of pays in many ways, uh, takes on all the consequences of all the broken covenants onto himself and establishes a new covenant yeah through the church and this one is actually so uh, this is the thing so each covenant has like three parts let's say uh, let's god and uh, there's a mediator there is a form and there is like um there's a form a and sign. there is some sort of sign yeah so um in each of those covenants there was some sort of form and a sign for example with adam it was um as Scott Hahn talks about this this really blew my mind it even changed my idea of god the father because i knew about god the father but it really kind of taught me oh this is what it means like you know so uh scott Hans amazing like you yeah it's a uh, i've gone i've moved on from i don't want to say he's i've moved on as and i've gone to hire people but it's like i love scott and like a, there was this kind of thing that we wrote down when we were like writing our mission statements and who would you like to be like i was like scott Hahn. you know <laughs> Just, but anyway yeah so um the thing is uh when what was i gonna say what was i saying yeah so, which, so uh, the with form, adam adam yeah. it was a uh, what was it marriage So the uh, the the form was marriage. The mediator was Adam, and the uh, the sign was the Sabbath. So the it was a one holy 
couple, like, you know. So um, then for, um, let's skip to Moses, all right. The form was, what was it? or Abraham, actually. The form was the tribe. The mediator was Abraham. Uh, the sign was... Um, the circumcision. The circumcision. And is there anything else? Uh, that's it, yeah. The, yeah. It's God, yeah. So, and then uh, with... Um, with David, the form was the kingdom. Uh, the sign was the everlasting throne uh, for all ages. And uh, what else was there? The, the mediator was David. So in each of these cases, the the, the form sign, and the, it's all something human. Mm. But with Jesus, the covenant, it's really weird and cool. So Jesus, uh, the form is the church, which is the body of Christ. Okay. So, uh, and sorry, let's start with the mediator. So the mediator is Jesus. So it's a covenant between God and God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he himself is mediating. He's not going to break it. You know, and then uh, he's um, the the form is the body of Christ, which is the uh, his own divine body, but it's the mystical body of Christ, which is the church, and then the sign is the Eucharist. It's the body of Christ. Mm. We'll talk about the Eucharist, like I'm sure, uh, much much later. But uh, it's the Eucharist. So it's almost in all of that has God in it. So there's like. Uh, I don't want to say uh, be crude, but it's like God's like screw this. Like they're always gonna screw up. You know what? I'm gonna go fix it. Like you know that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like God. God sees the failings of man, and He creates a new covenant that is unbreakable because He makes it with Himself. In many ways, yeah. Yeah. And, but He's standing with humanity, like you mm. know. So I, I thought it was beautiful. Like you know, I, I thought it was funny, but like. <laughs> yeah. So you touched on something there. You you it described. The church as a body. Mm. Uh, so I I saw this really cool quote. Wait, sorry, I should probably end that. So what the church is actually, it's the covenantal body of G, uh, body of Christ or, mm. or covenantal people of God. It's a new Israel. So in many ways, God had that plan from the start. So uh, so if you think about it, uh, just um, the the original man Adam in the Bible. So um, he was uh, the the. He was making he was mediating covenant between uh, God and man, but it was the only other person there was Eve, mm. so that was there. Um, but in the new covenant, so if uh, if everything went right, now we're just speculating. If everything went right, all the people who would be descended from them would be part of that covenant of the family of God. Mm. You know, but in this case, the new Adam, the new is creating a covenant between. God and uh, Jesus, the new Adam, is creating covenant between God and the new creation, which is all the people, the covenant people of God, and which is the church, which is his bride. The church is also the bride of Christ, too. Yeah, we should probably yeah. mention that. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. It, there's that relationship there where, like, it almost seems like God had planned uh, the church from the very beginning, and then he fulfilled it in Jesus. Yeah, so the, the church, church yeah. is a very essential part, that it's hmm. not just a nice to have it's not yeah, something it's that like it's optional, yeah optional yeah, yeah. like it's it's almost as part of the covenant mm -hmm. as uh like it's a very essential part mm. of the covenant the new covenant yeah. so this quote that i saw online was like a lot of people see the church as a organization mm. but the better way to describe it is actually it's an organism who said that right uh, i have no idea <laughs> I, I should look that up yeah, yeah. Uh, but that describes the body so the body is is a growing body and it's like mm. this community of believers that make up the body of christ like paul talks a lot about the body like mm. he uses a lot of analogies to the church of like how everybody has a different mm. role similar to how the eye has a different role in a body mm. to the hands and the feet mm -hmm. so it's definitely something that is dynamic that has different different roles for different people different communities 
and it is a organism. Um, yeah. So, do you know why there's some we were doing this by studying acts actually and do you know why Paul some people speculated actually why Paul kind of really kind kind of latches onto the body image and the bride image it was actually when Paul was persecuting Christians Jesus goes why are you persecuting me and he goes who you mm-hmm. lord you know cuz cuz Paul really understood then and there like you know intuitively like the, the church and Jesus are really in union with the with each other like you know so and the, the closest analogy that he, that was revealed to him was like the man and wife becoming one flesh you know which was i thought was really cool like, yeah, you know, that's, paul that's, is really i never thought of it that way yeah, yeah, yeah that's like really really profound for yeah, especially yeah. for paul who he thought was yeah. this early christians who were heretics who are basically yeah, yeah, gone yeah, off yeah. the faith they're following yeah. this they've gone off from the one true god that the jewish yeah. people believed in and they're they've gone off behind this yeah, yeah. man right uh So yeah like that's that's like really profound that he encountered this image of the body yeah, of yeah. Christ as being one and like when you mentioned the body it's also very similar to some of the things that Jesus says in Revelation where he says to people mm-hmm. at the judgment day where he says uh, I was hungry and you fed me I was without clothes and you gave me clothes and the people say like when did we do any of these things to you mm. lord and he says when you did it to least of these people you did it to me there's that mm. close union almost like there's a body of christ yeah, yeah. which is like very in bondage or not, not very bondage but like bonded, yeah, very yeah. bonded yeah, to yeah, yeah. christ himself all <laughs> <laughs> yeah go on yeah so there is that union almost yeah. right um so the church when we think of the church uh, the church has a role to play mm. um so a lot of people go to church for different reasons mm. uh, and i think when we talk about the churches so we can't escape from the fact that there are so many churches so many denominations so many different uh, beliefs and theologies that people mm. follow but what is maybe we should start with before we say what the church should be we should probably start like what the church shouldn't be uh one of the points is um the church shouldn't be a place for just solely for entertainment right it shouldn't be a place for just only for prosperity um there's a lot of like all of those things have its place but it should be taken in proportion mm. to the whole truth only then does it make sense right so One of the things that we should probably start off is um and I've seen this in a lot of churches that uh people go there to be entertained or to hear what they want to hear and mm-hmm. even in in the scriptures it says about the end times that like in the end times there are going to be people who don't hear the truth and uh, they don't hear sound doctrine they go after people who tell them what they want to hear so so when we are talking about the church we have to then differentiate how do we know which church is more to the truth and which churches are in comparison less uh less confirmed to what the truth or the full truth is well yeah i was actually like um i know we were thinking about this but if if we need to know what's closer to the truth, we need to know what truth is because mm. there was something um Yes, uh, like remember I sent you something actually this kind of what theology means like you know so there's this thing called hierarchy of truths. So there are uh, there are truths that are more important than others like you know. So for Christianity the central truth is actually the trinity. So who God is. 
So um, there's this, I don't know where I heard this now, but um, St. Augustine has this mm. thing where um, uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know if it's a dream or maybe St. Augustine's writing it because uh, th- I, I don't know the context for this just this kind of snippet. So God asks St. Augustine, so you're a theologian, you could kind of try and find all of this. You're like always asking questions. I'm here. What do you want to ask me? You know, and he's like, I've got two questions. You've only got two. And he's like, yeah, I've got two questions. And uh, okay, go on. And uh, I know in this case, it seems like God's like ignorant of St. Augustine's thoughts. But anyway, yeah. So Augustine just goes, uh, I want to ask you who you are and who I am. Because that's the thing, like, you know, uh, always you have to remember, like, if God is who he says he is, or if God is who he is, then who am I in relationship to him? Uh, Saint um, Catherine of Siena, I think, like, uh, I don't know who it was, or Teresa of Avila, one of those uh, doctors, uh, they uh, they had this thing where, um, it, 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 I don't know, she was worrying about a lot of things or something along those lines. Again, I don't remember the context for this, but God told her, um, I am the one who am, because that's his real name, you know? And you are the one who is not, you know, because we derive our being from him because uh, he is reality, he's truth, he's reality itself, he's being itself, he's the act of being, you know. And um, that's again, that's these are things that I kind of grew slowly, like, you know, because I used to think of God as uh, he's the highest being there is. You know, because mm. that is one of the ways uh, is fine. But no, 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 he's he's the act of being itself, like the act of existing itself. Like that's why he's, I am who am like you know so um yeah so if uh, if that's the case we have to go like who's who's closer to that truth you know hmm. uh, if you define truth one of the things we were looking at truth and i was like how do we even define truth like and we had to look it up online like you yeah. know on the, so the dictionary defines uh, truth in many ways but one of the things is actually um is in accordance to reality what is real like you know these are all like deep philosophical questions like what is reality like you know are we uh, are we closer to reality, the ultimate reality that there is, you know? Um, so uh, that's where hierarchy of uh, truths come in. There's that's the highest truth there is, the Trinity, and then like there's other things that flow mm. from that. Yeah. So, so since we already kind of started on truth. what is truth, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think people, when you say truth, they already have a version of their own truths, and it it could mm. be very hard to say who is closer to the truth because nobody really says or nobody believes that they're wrong right everybody yeah. like every denomination um, and every religion even claim that they are the closest mm. to the truth um if someone didn't they have they're not in there anymore mm-hmm. like it has truth has a cost to it like mm-hmm. if you truly believe yeah. it's not true then you're not really there no one's saying i don't believe it's true but i just want to be here anyway mm-hmm. right so so i think on the outside, we probably need to Although that could happen, though. Like, certain people would be like, I don't believe any of this is true, but I'm just here for the ride. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the outside, we probably need to differentiate there's two types of truth. There's like the subjective truth, right? And then there's the objective truth. Uh, so one of the things that, uh, that was really good. That. Right. So Go on. So basically, there's like two two type of truths, right? So there's subjective truth, mm-hmm. uh, which are like statements that describe opinions mm-hmm. and are only true for the person who makes the statement, right? Say that again. So there are subjective truths, statements that describe opinions and are only true for the person who makes the statement. Yeah, that's the right? lived experience. So, yeah, so yeah, an yeah. example of this would be that 
let's say you love ice cream, right? Mm. You would say this ice cream is amazing, right? Mm. But that's subjective. Like I could like, taste the exact same ice cream yeah, and I mightn't feel the same way. I know, yeah. My, my uh, uh, Jennifer, my wife actually bought this um, brownie, brownie flavored American ice cream. She was like, this is amazing. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is dark chocolate. I hate this. Yeah, like, or you, you can know? even yeah, go yeah, as far yeah. to say that this is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's still very subjective. It's, yeah. it's not... Um, the objective truth it's mm. a very subjective truth what could be true for you isn't true for me right but that's that's more of like i don't know if that can be defined as truth i know the people say like that's the language that we use because these days it's like speak your truth like you know everyone has their own truth you know it's it's almost like we're all living in a bubble with our reality and we're like this is reality you know but it's more of this is our experience yeah this mm. is our this is how i perceived the reality because we all share a common reality mm. we're not living in a bubble yeah but this is our experience of reality and that's not the way we, uh, uh, two people have experienced it similarly but it is an experience actually but when we go that is the truth it is my truth like you know it's like that it doesn't make sense logically though yeah go on true so uh, but let's just say that so let's categorize those things as subjective truth okay right yeah. uh, let's just say they are a form of truth mm, okay. right but the real <laughs> okay, truth uh, yeah. or like a truth that isn't changing by opinion or experience mm. would be objective truth. So that statements that describe reality, which mm. is true for everybody. Like if I said it's raining today, you can't then say, no, I, I think it's sunny. Right. Mm -hmm. Like like there's one of us is right uh, or at least one of us is closer to being right. Mm. And what I perceive can't be different to what you mm. see. Like if we say like this table is black, right? That's not really true. That's just the, like that, well, what was that? The color uh, controversy, the 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 white gold and mm, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, social yeah, media yeah, images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like certain people see like blue or some other color blue, and yeah, like yeah. gold. I saw blue. I, I saw blue black. Yeah, it was yeah. blue black. Oh and yeah, white blue gold. black. Yeah. Um, but even then, like even take that example, right? Like yes, people are perceiving it to be different colors. But if you actually had the dress, right? It was one color. It wasn't both was the it? colors. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Or, the story or maybe of the or maybe that, yeah. I don't know. Like how could it be two colors at the same yeah, time? I have no idea. And it's so different. It's not like green and blue. Where it's like, oh, it's clearly green. It's blue. Like it's like when I say. I remember I used to see it a certain color, and mm. then other. I heard so many people say that no, it's this, and then like you just train yourself to see the other color, and like, when you see the other color, you can't see the really other Th one. Did that happen? Yeah, and oh, like for my brother, right. for my brother, he could. Like switch between what he sees. No, <laughs> wow, that is so cool. It's like so there was this cool. other yeah, one which yeah. was like the audio clip. Uh, yeah. Remember, it's like the image with the. Uh, I don't know exactly which one it was, but you hear an audio and you can hear different things based on what you were focusing, focusing on. on. Right, right, okay. Yeah. I don't know that. But anyway, yeah, this yeah, is all yeah, a on, yeah. bit so, of a tangent, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. truth is objective or should be objective, hmm. and that it can't <laughs> be something that people can just. How does he define objective truth again? Just so, um... objective truth are statements <clears throat> that describe reality and that are true for all people. It's it's what's in accordance with reality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. So, if we take that, so if we take that as an example of what different churches and different mm -hmm. people believe, there's obviously someone is wrong and someone is more closer to the truth if they're in contradiction. Yeah. If there is a contradiction. 
one has to be, or they're both wrong and there's a different uh, something else. Yeah, that, so the three yeah. options are either, yeah. let's say you have a different opinion to me. Mm. Uh, we're both wrong, right? And mm. we could all be like, not even anywhere close to the truth. Yeah, yeah. But one of us could be right. Mm. But both of us can't be right at the if, same time if, if we have a direct contradiction. Right, yeah, yeah. Contradicting statement. So I think we have to then establish that there are obviously beliefs and mm. theology that in at least certain specific cases, which when there is a contradiction, mm. some people are wrong, some people are more closer to the truth or both of them are wrong, mm. right? And, and I think you had some really good examples for this when you were talking in the, yeah, just yeah, before okay. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was um, like, there, there's also consequences to this actually. So if we get one of the things wrong, it's uh, Scott Hahn talks about this actually again. Oh man. Uh, so uh, he kind of goes, um, it's very easy to get something wrong, especially when men are in control. Like, you know, it's like uh, the, he kind of mentions how we get a direction wrong and we're afraid to ask, to, we, get a, we get it wrong when you're driving and we're afraid to ask for directions, you know? So uh, it's very easy to get something wrong. But the problem is when you get something core wrong, other things follow. You know, hmm. so um, for example, um, we'll just go with a heresy, actually, Arianism, where um, Arius kind of started, uh, like he was looking at, he was reading the Bible and he was like trying to reconcile things. And he was like, um, yeah, Jesus seems like um, the, the son of God seems like some someone who's subservient to the father and therefore created by the father, uh, by God. Uh, and therefore he's not the father. So he's uh, it's a creator God. So um, the apostles kind of taught I believe in the Father Almighty. So the 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 Arians the Arians had this chant like God is not the Father. It was like a really catchy chant too. So people kind of got it. Like he was really popular, and a majority of the bishops in the early church was actually Arian, you know. And this was like um this was like uh, when reading back on it now we'd be like, what? How did? how did the church survive? Like how do we even know that? Like but still it did. That was the promise that Jesus gave, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, the, it's the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave. And that's where, that's one of the reasons, again, why, why I was convicted of um, the uh, the truth of the church, you know? And um, so uh, Aries was basically, God is uh, the creator. So the relationship between the creator and uh, the creator, God and his son, which is the first of all creation, uh, is, is, is a creator creation kind of relationship. Yeah, so but that's all, that's what Arianism. Arian, Arianism, more yeah. it's it's there's a lot there's a large spectrum, but that's basically it. There is still like there is still sects of Christianity or other religions where um, they believe that you know Jesus was man. Uh, I remember uh, telling you like um, my religion teacher in secondary school. I did um, fourth year, fifth year, and sixth year in Ireland. So my religion teacher in secondary school, he kind of mentions. Um, or, uh, he was like, we were just talking and like, you know, I was kind of moving away from my faith. I was just, uh, I was a teenager, like, you know, I was going through the rebellious phase. Anyway, so I was just kind of, uh, I was just really kind of trying to question, wrestle with things too. But uh, I remember him saying like, you know, just talking about the church and all of that. And he was a Catholic, a man. And um, he's like, I don't think you need to go to mass every Sunday. It's all fine. Like, you know, that kind of thing. But one of the things was, um, he was like, uh, who's Jesus? So I think Jesus was a man and he was kind of divinized after the resurrection. This was a Catholic man and he's teaching religion in school to young men, you know? And uh, um, 
I I I remember. Oh yeah, maybe he's right. Like you know, there were so many other things that uh, that kind of. Uh, mm. So um, there are variations of Arianism that we still believe. Like you know, people still believe, and that affects how we think about God. Yeah. So so there are let's say even certain yeah certain denominations certain, on the peripheral people, of Christianity yeah. who would say that Jesus is one of the most highest created beings yeah. even but he's still created. created or he was a man who became god there's or a, yeah. or there's things like um <laughs> he's the greatest prophet yeah the greatest yeah, prophet yeah. but that can't coexist with an idea that he is god yeah. because they're all in direct contradiction so, with each other the way they're in contradiction as far as i can understand is like this so if if someone says one group says um Michael is Jesus. Saint Michael the the is the son of God, you know, the angel. So and the reason is uh, can we do that like uh, because his name means who is like God. Because he's like God, like you know. So <laughs> so the the song like who is like the Lord? It is Michael. <laughs> like the, I shouldn't sing, but anyway, yeah. So uh I hope I didn't do anything wrong, but anyway, please don't take this and clip and post it somewhere like just this. Anyway, so when they say that um there's a th- you're first of all you shouldn't be worshiping jesus hmm. it's something a, a few of my friends in college asked me like you know where does jesus say in the bible that he's god and i was like i wasn't really reading the bible so i was like yeah that's right where does he say he's god like you know he doesn't so um that that was another thing that i had to look into like you know so if we're worshiping jesus and immediately a friend of mine just went no no we don't worship jesus we worship god through jesus and i was like man you're a christian like you can't just say that like you know you that's not true um or even of yourself like you know so anyway so if we say that and if we're worshiping jesus when he's not the creator god it's i don't know if it's the same but it's very similar to the israelites worshiping the golden bull it's an mm-hmm. idol like you know so because worship is uh is something that we owe to god alone it's the shema israel uh, hero israel you have only one god and you shall worship him alone you know so when we take that worship away and spread it out among some two people or something along those lines that's not right yeah you know that's uh, that's contradictory to the virtue of justice by the virtue of justice we owe worship to god and that's what religion is too it's 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 a matter of justice it's something that's owed to god so um similarly if he's a prophet again we're committing idolatry by worshiping Jesus. Um if he is um if he's a man who became god. Now that's something different because that's a sort of pantheism pantheism pantheism. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's a certain sect who believes like you know um there was uh, there's uh there's god the father and he has a wife called the holy spirit and they have a child called Jesus and he's he becomes a man and he was a perfect man and he became god and he's now the god of another planet or maybe this this planet. I don't know for sure. So there's that. So in all of those cases because that's not a trinitarian like a monotheistic religion that's like there's three different gods and there's a god is there to throw in thrown there you know so but with christianity if jesus is god again like then father is god and so is the holy spirit do we have three gods no 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 there's only one and as we can see by this book the one thing is three how the most holy trinity explains everything so the one god is actually three persons so again that that is something that's very difficult to understand recently i saw this video called them um, bad analogies by saint patrick and saint patrick tries to explain to the irish people how the, and all of them are slightly heretical each of those analogies but they're just analogies you know yeah. it's a really funny thing but anyway so when we do that there is uh, one of us is doing something that's wrong 
So, for example, in pantheism, where they're like, uh, they just kind of have to kind of give their due to each god, so that they just kind of—it's more—it's more like the mafia, you know. Uh, the uh, the the I've heard the the Greek religion uh, or the Roman religion being more like the mafia. So you pay your protection money to Zeus, uh, maybe uh, Ares, and maybe Aphrodite, or all of those guys, and they leave you alone. Mm. They just let you have their life in peace, you know. So again, if we're doing all of those things. We're taking away from the worship of the true God, but if Jesus is God, you know, if if God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is what what God is, you're not taking anything away. One of the things that I had to struggle with was when we pray to Jesus, is God jealous? Are we taking away? So we should kind of say a bit of prayer to Jesus, a bit of uh, pray to God for a bit, pray to the Holy Spirit for a bit, like you know. So is he jealous? No, no, no. It's uh, where one is, all three are. Mm. You know, and uh, that's uh, again the incarnation kind of comes into question. This is something that I'm trying to reconcile. Like you know, we kind of talked about it a bit. Where when Jesus was here, was he away from the Godhead? Like you know, what what was happening? Yeah, there? I like, think yeah. I think the whole thing about the Trinity and stuff. He'll do like a whole separate <laughs> should, yeah, episode yeah, yeah. on oh, it. Right? Yeah, with someone more kind of <laughs> yeah. knowledgeable. Yeah, uh, go on, yeah. One of the things that when you were talking there, one of the things that came into my mind was you know where Jesus is before. Uh, I think it's Pilate or one of mm-hmm. one of the in his trial, and he says, "I am the truth." Right? Yeah. Jesus is claimed that he is the truth, mm-hmm. um, or or maybe the question came first. Uh, yeah, but the Pilate, like I think, says, is, yeah. "Like, what is truth?" Yeah. Right? It's it, and he said it in a context where everybody, like the Jewish people, claimed they were right, and like mm. the Romans believed that they were right, and it was a very genuine question where he says, "Like, what is truth?" And it, he kind of like just throws it out there as in like. Who knows what's true? Right? Exactly. And yeah, Jesus yeah. claims, "I am the way, the truth, the life." Yeah. See, there is the like this as actually I've personally experienced it. It's this like you know, and I I didn't think of it right now until you said it this way. I was going to mention it. I was talking to a friend of mine at work actually, and uh, we just kind of got into a conversation about the church and stuff like that. And he was just really angry about this, and I was like, "What is happening?" Because like they kind of know I'm Catholic, and like you know they they take pot shots at this, and most of the time I just kind of keep quiet. Like, but this time I was like, "This because." In my head, I was just swearing to. I was like, I'm not going to take this crap anymore. Like, you know, I'm going to stand up for this. And I just, I didn't like, you know, and I was kind of annoyed too. It was probably a bad time to talk about faith, but when you're annoyed. But anyway, we were talking and the thing is, I tried to kind of base things in reality. I was like, okay, is the sun a star? You know? And he was like, who knows? You've not been, you haven't been out there. You don't know if they, like everything's called into question you don't know if it's all a conspiracy like you know nobody's out there who knows the sun is a star like so every there's no truth you know that's what and every time I try to no 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 that's what you believe that's what you believe like I don't have to believe that you know and uh, one of the things I was kind of really sad after the whole conversation I talked to a friend of mine a friend priest you know um, and it was just I was like what is happening like how can we even approach someone with kind of the the the, the the good news of the gospel when they don't believe like when we don't even have a common ground to stand on you know and um it was just one of those things like where i've i was completely lost i was just completely hopeless like you know and um it was the idea of like what is truth because he didn't say it in those words but that's what he meant you know and again when jesus goes i am truth it kind of there's this really cool um have you ever seen passion of christ yeah yeah do, uh, do you know when pilot questions so he um there is there is some sort of uh, there's a clip online actually on YouTube where uh, someone says it in Latin to someone else or uh, but Jesus kind of replies in Latin, so Pilate's like taken aback for a second. How does this carpenter who's a nobody 
in Judea know Latin, mm. you know, and a kind of like a subtle, uh, subtle kind of um, what do you call it? Allusion to um, allusion is probably the wrong word, like a reference to Jesus' omniscience, like you know. And uh, the question is, what is truth? Like you know, so I don't know Latin. Like I just try to be fancy, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, very tatty or something. And he goes, I am the truth. Like and um, that's uh, or I stand for the truth. I, he's always like, I came to witness for the truth, and he goes, truth. What is truth? You know, and uh, that's he, he's very dismissive of the fact. And Jesus goes, no, I am the truth. I mean, anyways, if we kind of follow that back to the first truth, there is the first reality there is. It's he is there. He's the word made flesh. Like he's the uh, he's the word that was with God and the word that was God. Like, you know, mm. the first thought of God and all of those things, actually. So he is truth. He's knowledge. He's reason. All of those things, you know, so the, which I thought was really beautiful, like because Jesus is not mincing words. Like, you know, this is where, again, if someone asks you, where does Jesus say he, he's God is like there? <laughs> yeah, just before he died. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, I think we we kind of going in all these tangents. Yeah, right? man, so where are we right now? Like, I have, <laughs> let's bring it back. Uh, yeah, right? okay, yeah. So we're talking about the truth. Um, we've kind of gone through the subjective truth and objective truth. Um, and so we have to kind of establish that, I think we've kind of spoken about this already, that uh, like there are, if there's one truth and truth is always singular, everybody can't be right. So some people are closer to the truth than others, right? So going from there, let's kind of go into this idea that not all churches are equal, mm. right? And they can't be equal when we've established truth mm. that is objective. So if there's one objective truth, there are many churches who have contradictory beliefs mm. on at least certain things. Um, so on those certain specific topics, some churches are more closer to the truth than others. Okay. Right? So let's let's go with a certain examples, right? So in saying this, I should probably come out of the closet and just go like, I'm a Catholic. I believe in all, everything the church teaches. There's some things I struggle with, but like, this is where it is. So mm. I might be speaking in reference to that, but I'll try and keep it as logical. Yeah. And as real. Yeah. yeah. So I think one of, one of my friends actually raises a good point that on this side of eternity, mm. it's hard to know something that is Yeah, you don't have full true, knowledge. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so then how do you discern for what is true? So do you like kind of discern based on the number of passages in the Bible that back that belief? Mm. Or do you reference like... Um, difference um uh, like the number of people who follow a particular mm. belief do you then then when you are looking into the bible even there's like differences in how different translations portray certain mm. verses then there's like do you then take it into a very literal context and kind of just take the whole bible in literal context so there's like so many variations mm. to like how you will discern for truth like where do you even start yeah, that's a good question. That's that's a tough one too. Like you know, for for me personally, I'll um, I, I'll say I'll get my personal stuff out of the way. So, for me, it was like um, my journey towards towards God, and like I, I've only had a personal encounter with God during World Youth Day in when was the last World Youth Day? Not the last one, the one before that in Krakow. So whenever that was, you know, it was a it was it was something. It was I thought of it as like a really emotional experience, but as I the more I thought of it, it was more of a conviction of God's love in my life, but. It was a long time before, like, I was invited into the, the the movement called Jesus Youth, which we're both part of, and like, um, and I've kind of experienced the love of God through so many people, but I've really been convicted of God's love in my life there, you know. But before that, one of the things, by the grace of God, reflecting on our, what we're talking about, was actually a trust in the church, 
you know? So my thing was actually abortion. So I believed abortion was completely okay. It's okay. I, to, to an extent, I actually believed like killing people was okay too. Like, you know, but certain situations is justified. Like, you know, it's the whole Darwinian kind of thing. If you're weak, if you're too weak that you die, it's okay kind of thing. Like, you know, and the weakest of all weak was actually uh, infants or uh, fetuses or unborn babies. So it's fine to, for our convenience, that's fine. And in fact, I, I, I would think of my, like my future with whoever I lived, like, you know, in, in the eyes of that lens, you know? So, uh, through that lens, sorry, what did I say? Anyway, but um, w- with those kind of eyes, I used to look at um, my future with uh, my significant other, whoever that would be. So one of the things was actually uh, a friend of mine. He was um he, he was kind of convinced about uh, like yeah this is wrong man what what's wrong with you like you know but the thing is um I kind of started reading into that and I was like I was really convicted oh wait this is wrong like you know even scientifically so where do we go from. You know, what, what do we base it on? Like, you know, so mm. there's, a, we have to base it on reality. So, okay, is this person a human? Why is it wrong to kill humans? You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, like, again, slowly and sometimes intuitively, like, um, I kind of got to understand, yes, first of all, it's wrong to kill people. Secondly, it's definitely wrong to kill the weakest of all people because they are the ones who deserve our protection. You know, the strong hmm. should support the weak. So um, my my um, my idea of morality kind of changed too. And it's a bit weird admitting that, like, you know, because um, there's people who go, I, I've talked to people actually, like, man, torture is fine. Like, you're, if you're torturing a terrorist just to find out where the bomb is, that's fine. Like, you know, uh, again, I'm not condemning anyone, but the, condemning anyone. But the thing is, uh, there are certain things that are, um, the word is intrinsically evil, no matter what the circumstances are. You may be culpable, you may be responsible for that, but you may be more responsible than or less responsible than you would usually be. But there are certain things that are intrinsically evil, you know. And uh, the thing was uh, more the reason I was convinced was actually the church taught this. And then that's when I started looking, Okay, what else does the church teach? And slowly it was just that initial thing where I started and I was just looking at the reasons why the church taught the way it taught, which was really like these loads of unpopular beliefs that made you unpopular, that made the church unpopular. And it was stupid. Like, you know, if you're if it's any political organization, like look at Ireland, like, you know, any politician who's worth his money would actually try and please the people he's serving. You know, he'd kind of go, okay, if the majority of people think this way, that's what I'm going to do for them. That's what I'm going to endorse, you know, but the church doesn't do that. It's not the majority that rules there. Like, you know, you, we stand by what is right. And and so should we. Yeah, so we should, you know. So, um, and I kind of had this trust in the church, actually. So I am, um, like, every time, and it was this, it was a very similar faith journey through a different kind of aspect uh, for my friend who kind of convinced me about abortion. Um, so it was... Um, uh, for him to like uh, there are things that he didn't understand that he didn't agree with the church but w- one of the things he said and told me was actually what I'll do is actually I'll just wait I'll read I'll kind of try and understand it more you know and every time like 90% of the time every time he had a disagreement to what the church ta- taught as truth like um, he found out that he was wrong and so there were other times where it, there are things that he doesn't know for sure. He just kind of, there's that trust there. And I think that's a grace of God, to be honest. Like that's not nothing to do with our personal kind of things because I'm naturally suspicious of people and things and everything like, you know. So um, I, I don't think it's a good thing to be skeptical of everything. So sometimes you have to take your, be skeptical of your skepticism, you know. So, but anyway, um, so this was one of the things. But what was the question again, man? <laughs> <laughs> so since you since you kind of mentioned abortion there, um, 
when you mention abortion, no. there's a lot of questions what that come in, right? What was the questions again? Right? Uh, what was the question? But I just want to yeah, say yeah, that we're probably going to do a whole separate video sure, yeah, course, on yeah. abortion and capital punishment and mm. some of those things that you mentioned there. That's why I didn't want to interrupt and ask questions, which might be like some questions that pop into a lot of people's mind. Uh, but reading back into... How do we know which are just true and yeah. what is true? How yeah. do we know what is okay. true? So uh, one of the things was actually, we have to base things on reality. So there's two two things that I was thinking about. One was historical truth like you know so sometimes sometimes we we are fed the wrong history you know for example um i remember one person telling me like oh yeah the christians actually believed only in one god but after constantine because they wanted pagans to be part of christianity they want to be popular and stuff we uh, they said you know what we, we believe in one god but you can believe in three it's okay like you know so um um that i heard that like because they were taught that in school and uh, i had to seriously did we do that you know but no the after constantine became emperor and he legalized Christianity, one of the things that, that happened was council of nicaea and the thing that was fought over was actually is jesus god but is there only one god you know so oh, the uh, the arian controversy you know so we, we stood by the fact that there was we are a monotheistic religion mm. you know there is only one so god so are you then basing everything on what the church teaches teaches no, no, teaches but, as truth but i Yes and no. But the thing is, we have to look at, um, again, like when someone says, this is what happened. And when the church says, no, no, this is what happened. Mm. I have to go look at, look back and go, okay, what actually happened? It's highly unlikely that Constantine only converted on his deathbed. And there was still controversies after that. Uh, so if, um, I don't know, um, one of the things is actually, um, again, as a Catholic, some, once I heard someone say to me like you know, again this is probably something for a whole different podcast but i'm just gonna say because it was, it was a tough conversation you know i was like we don't worship the saints they said no you worship the saints no we don't no you do and like where do we go do you get what i'm trying to say so like so i had to look at, like historically what happened there and uh, as far as i could see i don't think there was any compromise on the doctrine of uh there's only one god do you get so there is the, the historical accuracy All right, so where are the facts? Where And it, can they be trusted? So again, when people call into question the truth of the Gospels, one of the things that, say, that they say is it has been corrupted, it's been translated, and all of those things. But if you look back to how close it was written to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus compared to the life of Alexander or something, you know, uh, we can see like it's actually really close to the date, the records. And again, they really safeguarded that without trying to corrupt it. And again, if you look at how uh, we decided what should be the canon of scripture, you know, they they were really careful in rooting out, okay, this doesn't seem accurate. You know, and even tiny parts, there was um, in the Gospel of Thomas, you see Jesus kind of in in his infancy, like, you know, doing these miraculous things. And um, why did the church not take it? Like it showed Jesus as God from his infancy, but they didn't because that didn't seem true. You know, and also it, it was too fanciful. Like, you know, they just wanted like really kind of uh, really, I don't know, testimonial kind of accounts without any variation. There's the Gospel of Peter where they show all of those things. These are all apocryphal, non-canonical books. Like, you know, and there was, there was stuff where we weren't sure, the church wasn't sure of the authenticity of these things. So they didn't take it, you know. And uh, looking back, it kind of makes sense why, you know, because there was consequences to... Be, uh, believing those, those things, those things. Yeah. the other uh, example is um, the other thing is logical um, uh, th there shouldn't be any logical contradiction to truth okay so the first one is 
historical, the historical uh, validity, yeah, validity of certain yeah, things. Yeah. So, so you need to. So, the truth is based on what really happened. Exactly. Right? The, how close to reality are we? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then the second point is logic. Okay. So there shouldn't be two things that, um, th like, for example, if something, um, I don't know if I should mention it, uh, but uh, for example, sola scriptura, if something, um, if something is actually uh, logically inconsistent, then that's not true. That can't be true. Mm. So there can't be logical contradictions. Uh, yeah, it, if it's contradictory. So this is something that I'm personally struggling with. I've kind of mentioned it to you before, like uh, the um, the idea of predestination. So um, God's omniscience means predestination is possible. But how does that, uh, wouldn't that mean our free will isn't possible? That seems like a contradiction, actually. And that's something I'm struggling with, you know, uh, with respect to the church's teaching. And uh, with respect to the church's teaching, I should speak slower, yeah. And um, that's something I've been looking into and trying to find out more. Like, you know, again, um, you know, the I'm not, uh, I don't know everything, but these are things where uh, it's certain times, certain things seem inconsistent. You know, how can the God of the Old Testament be all like fire and brimstone? How can in the New Testament he's love? Like, you know, what's the, it seems inconsistent. There are, St. Augustine says there is, um, there, there is, there is false inconsistency. He's the one who goes, truth cannot contradict truth. Mm. So if there seems to be false inconsistency, if there seems to be an inconsistency, just wait, try and understand it more. Look at the original kind of verses and all of those things, original manuscript, that kind of thing, you know? So there's that. Um, I think we've kind of gone on a tangent, but the point is, if there is if there is a statement, a doctor, uh, a philosophical, like basically, it's not a material reality, you know? If there's something, uh, if there is a, um, metaphysical statement that we're making, it shouldn't be logically inconsistent. Mm. So that, again, if there is some logical inconsistency, um, there's two options. Either we don't fully understand it, but if it's clearly inconsistent, no matter what, like, you know, then you're like, no, that's that's wrong. Yeah, that and can't so, be right. Yeah. yeah. So would you then base it just on those two things? So if you could um, do there just else? those two things. So you had historically accurate information. Basically, re realist, as in it should be rooted in based reality. In, yeah, based yeah. on reality. And then the second one is if it doesn't have any contradictions, mm -hmm. like logical contradictions, yeah, yeah. then those are the two means that you can kind of get to closer I to, to discovering so. truth. I think so. Like as, sorry, I think so. As far as I can think of it, I'd say that's it. I haven't actually, like, this is the first time I'm kind of, not this, like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Cool. So, so then if there is a truth, then, mm. then there, anybody who believes anything apart from the truth um, could be wrong or, or is wrong. And a lot of people could say, you guys are very narrow-minded, right? So, mm. and, and it brings into this question that, you know, two plus two could only be four. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it can't be also five. It can't be also three, three or any yeah, other yeah, number, yeah. you know? Like, truth is very narrow-minded, right? And and it brings into the question, like, then anybody else who's kind of saying something else in Christian denominations has a... Uh, it's a heresy, mm -hmm. right? And I think you mentioned something the last time we were discussing about heresy was that it's not that they're completely wrong. Yeah. Heresy actually comes from the word... I think you mentioned something that it's... It's picking no, out certain things. It was Father Connor. Like, it's, a, it's picking out or something. It was a root word is picking out, yeah. yeah. Heresy, it's defined, as far as I know, is the obstinate refusal to uh, uh, to conform to the truth. You know, mm. it's like, a, I, I could be saying stupid things here. It, it may not be, it, it's heretical, but it, I'm not committing heresy. 
I'm just being stupid. Mm. If someone tells me, no, 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 that's wrong. This is why you're wrong. And I was like, oh, okay, great. If I can understand that. But if I'm like, no, 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 I'm right. That's that's heresy. But it's also like picking out certain things. Like, you know, you're focusing on one thing and ignoring the overall kind of thing. There was something that you said right now. I was going to say, um, well, what did you say before the heresy part? Sorry. So it's narrow. Truth is very narrow-minded. Yeah, there's um, there, yeah, this is something. Um, uh, remember we said um, uh, logical inconsistencies. So uh, one of the ways um, radical materialists, let's call it that, like you know, atheists believe that there can't be a god is because everything can be explained naturally by science and um, all of those things. You know, uh, the metaphysical reality of the universe can be explained by science. So, for example, evolution is real. Therefore, ergo, God doesn't exist. First of all, that doesn't follow. But very simply, actually, why not both and? Evolution is true and God is real. You know, because the thing is... Um, they're not contradictory to each th other. This, there seems to be a contradiction, but there, there needn't be, is what I'm trying to say, you know? So... Um, uh, why did I say this, actually? There was some reason. Uh, it's, it's basically like this. So, for example, you... Um, you you don't drive a Ford, I know, but let's say you drive a Ford because I only know Henry Ford for this example. This is something I've heard. So um, you know, yeah, let's say you drive a Ford, and if you you could go, why do I drive? Why do you drive a Ford? You could go, oh, it's because of Henry Ford. He created the Ford company, and the, you could also go, uh, yeah, the engineer uh, modeled this car, and this is how this is how the machines made it, and this is the this is how, this is what the process was, and this is what how. I have a Ford. Do you get both are true, mm. but they're not contradicting each other. Yeah, you know, just because we say Henry Ford made Ford, uh, is uh, that's or this car is here because of Henry Ford doesn't mean Henry Ford actually made all. The, I'm not saying the world was actually. I'm not saying that's what I'm drawing, but I'm just drawing the analogy between two statements that may seem contradictory, contradictory at first, but, but they are not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, so let's go into a bit into heresies and okay. what they're what that means mm. right so a lot of churches i believe that they do preach the truths like their beliefs are based on bible verses mm. right um like you can you can justify um prosperity gospel mm. through all the passages like hundreds of them mm. that back blessing based God, mm -hmm. right? That God is a God who gives you blessings and he wants you to prosper and be which successful. Which is all true. Which yeah. is all true, like yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. true, right? But if that is all that you're coming to God for, then that's not the God of the Bible. Yeah. It's not because something is totally wrong. It's just, it's still true, but it's just blown out of proportion to everything else, right? So I think we were we were chatting about this, uh, about prosperity gospel in general was that there's a lot of churches who would just preach prosperity, that it's mm -hmm. all about blessings. There's very few mention about sin, about uh, heaven even, about and even less of hell and mm -hmm. a judgment. Um, but we were saying that if, if the goal, whole purpose of you being a Christian is to be prosperous and to be, um, to be successful, the God of the Christians mightn't be your good choice, right? Because, like, if anything, yeah. Jesus says that you will have suffering, you will have persecution, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the early Christians were persecuted left, right, and center, yeah, yeah. right? And and there was this really funny joke that we were uh, yeah, yeah. mentioning before, which is, if you wanted to be successful, and the God of the Old Testament, even, if, yeah, yeah. if he wanted Israel to be very successful, he must have been the cheapest of gods, because... <laughs> 
He led Israel from <laughs> Egypt to Israel across all the land where there's so much oil. Yeah. And he brought them into this landmass which has zero oil and surrounded by nations yeah. which have so much oil. Yeah. So the God who gave the gave the other nations the yeah. oil and the wealth must be the God who is the most supreme that he yeah. has blessed them so lavishly yeah. that they don't even need to collect taxes. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So so like looking at it in this like right now in context like you know and the thing is uh, th- th- my response was actually well he didn't promise them the land of oil he promised them the land of milk and honey i don't know if there's milk and honey in israel right now like there could be you know, like, but yeah yeah so so there's all these like different beliefs that yeah, yeah. um that stem from misinterpretation of the whole truth it's mm. not the full truth so the prosperity and all the blessings are absolutely true mm. right but it's not the full truth mm. um and i think there you can make other other things for other churches who teach something different that a lot of people go to be entertained in church or to hear what they want to hear and there is this bible verse from uh, um uh, in the new testament where it talks about the end times mm. where it says there will be people going after pe- going after preachers who tell them what they want to hear and there's mm. no sound doctrine Uh, and i think we are living in the world right now where there's like so many divisions and so many mm. uh different beliefs <clears throat> of what the god of the christian is mm-hmm. and and in the surface level it mightn't seem like it's they're all, like, all contradictory yeah, yeah. but i think it is almost as contradictory or it's almost as bad if you're going with a set of beliefs that is in the full truth Like again I don't know if I think of the prosperity got prosperity gospel as a heresy as such but it's definitely not like not the best way to communicate who God is cuz suffering's on the way for everyone we we live in a fallen world we are fallen people like you know uh par- like and in many ways actually it's allowed to make something better come out of it you know if any saints there was um there was a video my friend showed me it was um it was somewhere I think it was in Africa actually and this, uh, this guy was yeah they had this kind of inflatable pool and it was filled with some sort of lotion so bathe in this lotion of holiness or something what I don't know what it was like you know and just you you'll never have suffering you'll always have money you'll have wives you'll have whatever like you know and then god will bless you and I was like and uh, he just uh, my friend just went and it's when I see this I'm like thank god for magisterium like thank god we have a teaching authority to go this is wrong you can't do this like you know so but um at the same time you're right yeah this uh, the 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 consequences of this is kind of bad like pretty bad actually like you know uh, all, all the saints all all the people who who really are close to god that we think you know all the saints they they all talk about self denial uh, becoming more like jesus just like jesus denied himself like he denied his um uh, like saint paul says that like you know even though he was he was uh, the same substance as god he became man uh, for for going his, i don't remember the words i'm terrible at memorizing bible verses but uh, like you know what i'm saying yeah so that's the thing just like jesus deny ourselves like you know so um and that's how uh, and again i'm not saying we're denying ourselves and we're becoming more holy we're not kind of pulling up and becoming holy by ourselves but it's actually we're saying yes to god to, for him to make us more like him and at the end of the like one of the questions you had you wanted to ask me was uh, what's the most um, important verse in the bible like and um interestingly this is something uh, i never thought of that but i read that in this book called the one thing is three it's by father michael gately and uh, the thing is i'll tell you what it is just give me two sec just give me two seconds it is the core message like he goes 
the core message you could see uh, is John 17, 11, 20, 21, that kind of thing. I'll just read it out for you if that's all right. Yeah. So um, basically the core message. Oh. Right on the right Straight page. there. Yeah. Wow. Like, you know. So um, my quest was to find one specific passage to memorize, not a whole chapter. He wanted to memorize one passage not a whole chapter, and it had to be the most important thing. Okay, so no problem. The last words of the chapter, uh, so again, he looked at chapter 17 for reasons. I'm not going to go into that. But, um, and I believe, uh, I believe the last verses of the chapter get to the heart of the matter, and they contain what I believe is the most beautiful passage in all of sacred scripture. And a pa that passage, a passage that reveals the mystery at the heart of the word made flesh, which is Jesus, and the deepest expression of communion. So in uh, John 17, it's almost like he starts praying. It's a priestly prayer of Jesus. And he starts praying for his disciples. And suddenly, like half his, he just forgets about the disciples. But he doesn't. But it's almost like it's this deep kind of love that he has with God the Father. You know, and basically the prayer is, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to behold my glory, which you have given me for your love for me before the foundation of the world. All of the thing about Trinity is there. He desires that we be in heaven, he, that Jesus was there before the foundation of all um, of the world, and um, that they be there to behold the glory because that's the beatific vision. You know, it's beholding the glory of God. That's the thing that we're all made for, that our heart desires. So, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them thy name, and I will make make it known that the love with which you have covered me, you have loved me, may be in them as I in them. That's a tough, mm. like you know, uh, reading. But basically, Jesus goes that the love that you have for me may be in them. So um, one of the things is um, this is a tangent, but. Um, uh, it's a, uh, you know, in John, I don't know what gospel, but John goes like, when the spirit, it's a good thing that I'm going away so that when I'm away, you will receive the spirit. Yeah. And again, I am paraphrasing the out of the, the gospel, like, you know, but I hope the message comes through um, and you will do greater things than I have. You know, this is the message Bible. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, the thing is, uh, so Jesus says that, and that seems kind of like almost heretical. What do you mean men will do greater thing than God has done? Like, you know, but that's the thing. So, at first, in, in the whole economy of salvation, the whole salvation history, the first part was like God, God of the mountains, like El Shaddai, God, the power, you know, God above us, like who's, who's, who's taking care of us and all of that. Then there is Emmanuel, God with us, you know, uh, Jesus, God saves, like, you know, and all of those names are there. And um, then finally, there is God in us because the Holy Spirit is the indwelling mm. spirit, actually. And which is kind of cool, like, because... What's better than God with us? You'd go like, you know, you can physically touch him. But Jesus can't be uh, like uh, when during the 30 years there, he was, he limited himself to time and space. Mm. Like, you know, he didn't go around showing himself to all the world. He preached to a very small group of people in Israel. Like, you know, he did miracles a very, uh, among a very small group of people. But God in us, he's everywhere. Like, you know, he's in every person who's, uh, who's in communion with Jesus, you know. So uh, that's the Holy Spirit. So, which is great, which is even more of a deeper, it's, it's a deeper communion than, than God with us. And in many ways, actually, it's the relationship between God, the Father and the Son. That's the Holy Spirit. That's their, in, that's their, their, the fire of their love. And that, if that's what we have, like, aren't we united with him? 
like even now so we think of heaven as um like that we may be with him like you know but if we re- the saints kind of they, they live as cs lewis kind of talks about in uh, the great divorce like when you're in heaven all of your life seems like you were always in heaven including the bad times because you see the glory of god and throughout the whole thing you you see, you see how god worked everything for his glory and he kind of brought you there and uh, one of the things like if you're in heaven you've got only god to thank if you're in yeah. hell it's because you said just leave me alone and god being the loving father he is it's like mm. yeah that's okay sometimes you you kind of think like oh, one of my friends was like why is god a loving father like you know he should be more like my father like <laughs> as indians like you know he should kind of beat us and take us to heaven like you know but he's a loving father like he gives us that free will to go okay yeah i'll leave you alone you know that kind of thing yeah yeah we went on a tangent like but anyway <laughs> so but the thing is what were we talking about uh we're talking about the the truth and churches and churches, churches yeah, being yeah. different so one of the points i had here was that the core message of a church um should revolve around the core message of jesus mm. and which was basically jesus came to say you know like he came to know to tell the human people or the human kind that the state of their sin like this is how far you yeah. are and then he came with a message that was a redemptive message mm. and he spoke about grace and he spoke about the kingdom so i'll add something more before that yeah. one of the things so first is again like the thing is who is god who am i so who's god who's man in relationship to god and what do we do to break off that communion mm. and what has god done to bring us back into the communion You yeah know, that's so it starts with who's god like you know and kind of and then it goes sin because if most people one of my priest friends he was like i was just talking to him about morality and stuff like that and like people talk about morality all the time they don't talk about sin you know because we forget the fact that we can offend god yeah like i sin think that like, sin is such a core message of the bible like from the very first mm. passage to the to the all the reasons why jesus came and to yeah. the end it's always about sin it's about the 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 thing that breaks us from god right yeah it's about sin and grace like the, yeah, the, yeah like yeah. so the message of grace is almost like makes total sense in the condition of sin yeah the like jesus says only the sick need uh, the doctor uh, but if i'm sick and i don't know i'm sick why would i go to the doctor hmm. i have to know so that think, there is a problem yeah so the one of the reasons why we were kind of going on that line is because line of conversation is because like there are a lot of churches who don't preach sin anymore they don't mm. preach um uh, preach uh, hell or they don't preach judgment and that's almost very core to theology of like why you do what you do right so this is quickly go on from there right so Again, i know we're running like, out of time they're not uh, it's okay yeah. they're not uh, they, like they're really not like evil people doing that yeah, for a purpose yeah, like, like they genuinely i think yeah. i think it's it's not that the people themselves are bad mm. right i think in heaven there is going to be people from every denomination so they're like really genuine good people everywhere mm. but i guess we're kind of more talking at a high level of the theology mm. right and what the the core beliefs of the church the 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 organization is mm-hmm. as opposed to the people mm-hmm. right and one of the last points i had on that was like even jesus warns that in the end times there will be a lot of people who will come in my name and we mm. usually just read that as like someone will come there and say hey i'm mm. jesus right yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you read it in the context that's not really what jesus says jesus no. is saying people will come saying jesus is who he said he was mm. and will deceive many mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? So there's like you see that in the world today where there's like so many different churches and denominations who claim and accept that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and all of that, and they accept all of that and they deceive many with a message that is a half truth, yeah. or or it's not. Uh, the full mm. good news that Jesus came with, right? See, what, what, the thing is, um, like, again, with the end times, actually, we think of end times as the last days. Like, it's it's still, maybe we're in the end times now, like, but the end times actually started, like, the day of the Lord. Like, it starts with Jesus' resurrection. No, ascension, actually. The end times started there. For yeah. 2,000 years, we've been in the end time, like, you know? And, like, when they go, there'll be false prophets and all of that. Timothy, Paul wasn't writing to Timothy about like, you know, t- in 2020. He was writing, there was false prophets yeah. there, you know. And Jesus kind of writes to the church in Ephesus, like Timothy was the bishop of Ephesus. So um, uh, when Jesus in Revelation, like, you know, uh, John writes to all these kind of um, churches, uh, churches yeah. from um, from Patmos. And uh, the message to Ephesus was, you've stayed true to the gospel that was preached, but you've lost the first love. Which kind of brings us to our last point, but like, yeah, that's the... Yeah, well, one thing I was going to add there was, there is this, Jesus spoke about this, which was the broad gate and the broad way, and then there was the narrow, narrow gate way, and the yeah. narrow way, right? And I think a lot of people uh, don't preach the narrow way, like they, mm. they might preach the narrow gate, mm. right? But the way that certain people certain churches preach is very broad that it, it makes it almost like easy god's like a grandfather he's like <laughs> not you a have father the best yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. you have the best thing in the world live your best life now I'll give you and i think yeah, yeah. i think all of this i think in my faith journey in like the last couple of years um i'd say pro- probably like five six years it really made me question like are we am i really going to trust someone with my eternity right unless there is some significant truth to why they believe what they believe, right? And and I think I, I kind of grew up in a church uh, or seen a lot of churches which were preaching all these half-truths, right? They were all true, but it was blown out of proportion to the whole truth. And I it was a moment where I was like, yeah, no, like I'm going to look into all of these things myself. I don't want someone else. If, if I really believed that my whole eternity and my salvation hinged on believing someone. I want to make sure that they have good reasons for why they believe what they believe, right? And I didn't really see the broad, the narrow way being preached. It was always like the narrow gate and the preaching wasn't about really conforming to Christ's image. And I, I, and I started looking into the scriptures myself, like reading into it and finding out that, wow, like there's so much truth in here that I have never heard from anybody, right? Mm. And that kind of, I guess, kind of set me on this journey. And I think now that we've kind of spoken a little bit about what is not the church, I think we should, the next few minutes, we should yeah, probably like, talk I about shouldn't play what is advocate. the church. Uh, sorry, yeah, I shouldn't play devil's advocate, but usually these things are uh, like, again, uh, or you could go the opposite way too, where everyone's preaching fire and brimstone. It's like, um, it's the difference between... Um, universalism you know the everyone's going to be saved it's okay god's merciful that's fine you know which is true like not everyone's gonna be, but god is merciful yeah you know he wants everyone to be in heaven you know all of that um then there's a second part where um you you have to do it it's it's a sort of pelagianism where like it's you don't need the grace of god you have to try really hard uh, just if you try really hard, you can be holy, mm. you know, that kind of thing. And even uh, like I can see the prosperity gospel and all of the people who are coming with the kindness and the mercy and the love of God reacting in a way 
to um to the um what do you call it the to, other side uh, to the other side yeah. to the uh, to the uh, to the fire like, and brimstone yeah, yeah. it's all about like damnation and exactly yeah. you'll all go to hell if you don't do this yeah. like you know all of that but then there's this there's this kind of even looking at heresies in the ancient church actually it was it's so like evident there so first there was this heresy of called modalism where basically god reveals himself in different forms so god the father is the form that he revealed there but it's the same god and god the son it's like he's he's um he's it's different avatars of god if you want to put it that way like you know it's like um it, it's it's the idea of like god is like water and sometimes he's ice sometimes he's water sometimes he's gas you know that kind of thing so cute fart jokes but anyway no <laughs> sorry the, the the to the extreme because that was condemned as a heresy arius was reacting to that when he preached that jesus was a creation do you get what i'm trying to say mm. like you know it's it's a reactionary kind of thing and uh, i don't know if arius was well meaning i don't know him personally but it uh, the, the damage that he caused was great actually like you know because uh, it caused a division in the church even the idea of marriage would be reduced like saint john paul ii says this in his book when we see god as not a father but as a master we're made for freedom we want to be free so we're going to try and um get out of that uh, uh, the the master slave relationship mm. we're not made to be slaves and many ways sometimes i kind of feel bad for and sometimes we feel it's our fault actually the fault of christians for not preaching the right message of the good news in context yeah you know? and i think i it it really brought me this other image that i've heard which is like the narrow way is almost like a two-sided cliff right the narrow way is yeah. like at the top you're walking this narrow way and like yeah. people attacking you and all yeah, these yeah, other yeah. things and if but, you fall there's no way to get up yeah. Like, yeah and and it's it's almost like certain people fall on this extreme yeah. and then certain others fall on this extreme yeah, yeah. but but there is a balanced mm. uh balanced truth which is in context of the whole thing yeah. and i think um uh, recently one of our um uh, friends uh who's a priest who said uh, you know it's like the word of god can't be taken into context by just looking at one passage it has to mm. be taken the whole as a whole and only then does every passage make sense and he and he made a really good point right which is like like that's why in christmas time we still look at the resurrection and we look at the the crucifixion yeah, yeah, of yeah. christ you can't just say oh this is a season of joy and forget about the crucifixion yeah, 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 yeah. and all the other stuff yeah. and in the crucifixion time uh, in easter and all of those periods you still look at the joy of the birth of and the, salvation and, resurrection, and yeah. everything is always taken See, together why are we joyful during christmas yeah this baby is born in bethlehem why are we joyful like babies are born every day unless that baby is here to save us from our sin which we have no hope of overcoming by ourselves you know that that's where and how why do we look at the, how does he save us it's the crucifixion like you know everything kind of connects it's like um i was i was i once tried to um say a, just a small story do you know mahabharata yeah i was just saying a small story in the mahabharata to my wife but i kept like each character came up and i was like oh well he has a story like you know he has his own story <laughs> and i kept going on tangents and this was like a 45 minute journey in traffic and she was like this was a week after our marriage actually maybe two weeks of so like i was just really embarrassed she was like she was thinking when is he going to stop <laughs> like you know yeah so but that's almost what theology is everything's connected like you know it's almost everything it's like a web of things like everything's connected and if you lose one thing like you just kind of fall through the web like yeah, you know yeah yeah so i think i think okay to swiftly move on okay, yeah, right go on. we have like 15 minutes remaining right. which is the message that we're trying to convey for the last 30 minutes is that everything <laughs> the truth like there are people who are 
not fully correct. Mm. But everything needs to be taken into right proportions mm. to discover the truth. Yeah. You can't isolate one thing, mm-hmm. even though that in itself is true. It needs to be part of the whole package and mm. how it fits in to the whole thing. Right? It's, it's almost always a both and. So is most people kind of go, it's either or. Mm. But it's a both. It's almost always the the truth about Christianity is actually it's a both and. Is Jesus God and God or man? Well, he's both God and man, like you know that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us on to like what is the church, right? So I think one of the things that we were taking uh, discussing about earlier was like the church is meant to be bringing us closer to Christ. It's mm. it's meant to be make us conform to the image of God. Like if you were to ask what is our goal in life, like our goal should be to reach heaven mm-hmm. and heaven isn't a destination like you would go to when you take a plane and go there it is a state of being it's it's to be in the image of Christ it's a place and, and a state of being yeah, yeah yeah that that's what god christ has called us to do and he has called us to make disciples to basically spread that message <laughs> yeah, right? yeah but discipleship that, yeah, yeah, is yeah. a whole different yeah, yeah, episode a... <laughs> we, we'll go there yeah. but but it's definitely a narrow way it's mm. difficult because jesus said it was going to be difficult and the primary purpose even though it is part of the message it's not primarily about um blessings it's about the goal should be that the church tells us when we're wrong not not just tell us when we're right it's yeah. telling us when we're wrong gk chesterton who said that like it was you don't need a church to tell you when you're right oh well done good boy like you know but yeah you, you want the church be, yeah. to tell you when you're wrong that's when, so when you're wrong you don't know you're wrong like you know yeah, kinda, yeah. And, and that helps you conform to the image of christ right so i guess we've kind of seen what is church and everything but in mm. the last few minutes i think we should really talk about theology so when certain right. people certain people hear the word theology they think oh that's for people who are going to the seminary who want to be priests or you pastors know, yeah yeah and and it kind of makes it seem like as a normal average christian mm. you don't need theology but is that true uh yes and no uh, i mean f- like I'll go with the no first, okay? No, that's not true because uh, I don't think that's true because we all ask questions about our existence. Like, we all have questions about... Uh, there's this, uh, like, funny meme that I saw. Maybe we should put that up maybe when we do the video. It was... Um, uh, do you know that film, Thor Ragnarok? Like, you know, it's um, um, one of the guys going, I, I, I don't need theology i just believe in jesus and just goes who's jesus he's the son of god well you're doing theology there you know so that's the that's the thing so anything uh theology theology. so theo is god and logos knowledge you know it's the knowledge of god so the reason i said we i think we really need theology um i'm not talking about like you know have a theology degree or anything like that we need to have a knowledge of god of Mm. but knowingly or unknowingly everyone has a theology. It's, yeah. it's basically what they believe God is. Even atheism is, yeah. is a theology. It's like, a it's form of a theology. theology. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. It's... So everyone has a theology. And I think it's important to know the importance that it plays in people's lives because you can have a bad theology and believe certain wrong things or things taken, mm. things taken out of proportion, mm. right? And it's really important that people are interested in theology. Like even even Paul says to Timothy, he says, mm. watch your theology or teachings closely, right? And and I'll put up a Bible verse uh, around that. But like, it's really important. And this was Paul back in the first century. It's a telling, deposit of faith. Guard yeah, that deposit of faith yeah, telling and hand Timothy, it over to people who are responsible. Like, yeah. True, telling Timothy to like, watch your theology, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I think when it comes to theology, um, it's really important to 
know that it's part of knowing God. So it's mm. like saying, uh, I think we you mentioned this example before, which is like if you really love someone, right? You want to know more about them. You want to know what they said or what they mm. what they have, uh, who they are, who they are, really. Yeah. Uh, and theology is that. So. The people. It's, it's, it's also like uh, it's a cyclical kind of truth, I guess. Like you know, it's a conundrum. But uh, it's like you can't know someone. Uh, you can't love someone until you know them properly. But you can't know them until you love them. So when you love someone, like you know, you have a desire to know. But the more you know someone, ideally, the more you should love them. Uh, yeah. Do, do you get uh, like yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's like the the deeper it's you grow knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was just gonna say that that it's not totally true that certain people can say that oh i don't need theology i just need jesus mm-hmm. you know uh, and knowingly or not knowingly they have a theology there which yeah. basically tells them that they, they don't need, need to jesus. know god <laughs> but i just need to i just need god. to feel yeah, yeah, like yeah, i, I love god what whatever is, yeah. um but the thing is like there is a negative consequences to wrong one of the things is actually in um in certain religions where there is god is the master and the people are slaves if that's the relationship that they have to god like um and that automatically translates into family life where women are property where um i don't know but, do, do you get yeah, what i'm trying to say it establishes a hierarchy exactly a, a, a false hierarchy so in uh, in in christianity jesus uh, st paul goes like you know um uh the the Ephesians 5 verse you know so the the really controversial verse but so the thing is um uh, just like christ is the head of the church the husband is the head of the wife so again like oh, suddenly you're like what they're subservient no no that's not what he says so jesus goes you're supposed to serve the people you have authority over and jesus has authority like you know but he died for the church mm. similarly the husband is supposed to die for yeah the wife. on that passage and i think we were just looking at that uh, two weeks ago yeah, or a week ago yeah. i was really interesting that in you know when we break into like the small groups um i was saying that you know like the call for men in that passage is so much higher like yeah. as in the men are called to die yeah, for yeah. their wives like Christ did and the authority is not a given it's not like a master slave or like i impose my authority it's like it's earned mm-hmm. just like how Christ earned his almost earned his authority no i, I wouldn't say I, fully yeah, earned yeah, that's what, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost like a respect or you are willing to submit to a person who has died for you as opposed to demanding it's equality easier. it's easy but that being said the church hasn't been great at submitting right we've like look at the history like you know of of the church actually there hasn't been but even then like christ didn't look at oh we'll see if the church submits to me and then i'll die or and similarly the church shouldn't kind of go we'll see if christ do you get what i'm trying to say mm. it's a, it is like that's where unconditional love comes in like you know you're supposed to do that regardless of what the other person yeah. d- does for you like yeah mm. but anyway, uh, yeah that, that's yeah, a whole yeah, that's different thing yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that we'll stop. Uh, yeah, yeah. as well but i think one of the other sides that you can fall into when you're looking into all the theology is this desire for knowledge mm-hmm. and if you look back to the first chapter of genesis like adam and eve chose knowledge over life and i think you can you can we can emphasize all theology but you can also fall in that extreme where you're seeking after this pursuit of knowledge of like yeah, knowing yeah. god in your head and it never translating it into the heart mm-hmm. i think there is a balance there which is um you know like you that needs to be lived out yeah, in yeah. our lives as well so you shouldn't be going all theology without focusing and contemplating on your life and even the bible says that teachers 
not all of you should be teachers because there is greater condemnation for the people who have that who, knowledge. Who, who lead people astray. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's almost like not even leading astray, but it's more along the lines of to more to whom more is given, more, more is, is demanded yeah, yeah. or expected. So it should never be a pursuit where we just go all theology. Theology is like the way to go. Mm, yeah, yeah. And we kind of lose sight See, the, of uh, our lives. The example there, there's there's like, again, two extremes in the in this case too, like where uh, certain times was not trying to answer our questions. So we have everyone has questions. Some people go, oh, well, throw their hands up and just go, I can't answer them. Like, you know, and slowly they kind of move away from the truth. But there's the other, because uh, we're given a reason for we're given a reason for a reason. We're given an intellect for a reason. You know, the purpose of the intellect is to know truth. And Jesus said he was the truth. It's to know him, you know. And when we have questions, we have a responsibility to pursue that. But at the same time, you know, um, like, for example, there's uh, for me, it was uh, I kind of told you before we came in, like one of the things I was struggling with is actually because I'm uh, even now I'm struggling with it, actually, because uh, I know that God would let uh, me go through bad times so that he can bring a greater good in my life through that. But that doesn't change the fact that I'm going through bad times. So certain uh, like it's almost like a mistrust of the father of God, the father in my heart, where I'm like, I'm still kind of struggling to kind of accept uh, going through bad times, knowing that God will pull me out and he'll he'll kind of help me. And he's always there with me. There's that fear there, you know, uh, and that kind of sometimes it kind of makes it hard for me to pray for blessings because what if God doesn't answer Then I can't trust him? Like, you know, do you get what I'm trying to say? So but then there's I've seen um, other people uh, again, uh, and I've seen this in certain people, actually, where men are called to the priesthood and uh, they're, they're called to this great vocation to to pursue God about all else. And suddenly they're uh, they're afraid to sacrifice um, like lower pleasures, uh, uh, like marriage and family. I'm not saying marriage and family is a lower pleasure, but like um, there if God has called you to a celibate life. Then that is where you can be truly great, truly uh, conform to the image of Jesus. But when we're afraid of following that, because uh, at somewhere in the back of our head, we we kind of suspect that God's plan for our life is not in our best interest. And people kind of uh, are afraid to perceive that. So or pray for that or ask for God's will to be revealed or whatever it is. The other extreme, uh, not the other extreme, the really good way that I've seen sometimes is actually this absolute trust in the father. They're like, no matter what happens, they know the father has what's best in mind and he'll get through and he's with me, that kind of thing. And even when they don't feel it, it's like uh, Mother Teresa, like uh, say, um, St. Teresa of Lisieux, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, all of them went through great suffering, but they still had that complete trust and they always kind of glorified God in their suffering. That's uh, that's something really cool, like, you know, and uh, even if you think about it, um, pursuing knowledge mm. for the sake of knowledge, like St. Thomas Aquinas, greatest mind is in Western philosophy, put it that way. Like, uh, I don't know if it's true, but let's put it that way. Okay. So uh, St. Thomas, uh, like I've heard, uh, I've read a story where St. Thomas Aquinas used to rest his head against the tabernacle, just his eyes closed and just just in prayer for ages, uh, pondering the questions like he um, he valued the, the who God was in his life more than anything else. He was a great theologian, great writer. He pursued knowledge like nobody else, prolific writer. But he still like he, he went to the source of all truth. Like during uh, when once we decided to do this, like I started looking up uh, stuff and one of the 
we're out of time are we? yeah we're almost out of time yeah. one of the guys I looked at was Thomas Joseph White and I was just listening to him and he sounded really familiar but I uh, I figured like he actually came to um uh, Saint Saint Dominic's church uh, he's a Dominican uh, theologian philosopher I think uh, but a really smart guy uh, and I've been kind of listening to his stuff and uh, but one of the things a lot of that stuff didn't make sense because he was naming a lot of modern philosophers and all of that I was like what is happening I don't know any of this stuff I'm an idiot but the thing is well, at the end he said something someone asked him, what if you're not like theologically inclined what if you're not like that much of an intellectual because theology seems to be the pursuit of intellectualism sort of um, but he goes um you know one of the things he said was actually that the greatest the most intellectual thing that you can do is actually the contemplation of god in front of the blessed sacrament because he is the knowledge of all truth even if you're an absolute idiot like i don't want to call people idiots like you know but like there is we have to agree there are people who are smarter than us and there are people who are not smarter than us like there's a whole spectrum of intelligence actually we've been given intellect uh, to varying degrees but for even the smartest person in the world and the dumbest person in the world like you know again take it with a caveat i'm not calling people dumb but uh, someone who's not as intelligent as the smartest person in the world okay let's put it that way the most intellectual thing that they can do is actually um contemplate god and truth in mm. god in front of the blessed sacrament and i think it's it's kind of true for even the people who are the most intelligent right Absolutely, like even yeah. even people like i think thomas aquinas you yeah. mentioned that he just called all his learnings and teachings as hey At the and end, even yeah. even paul says that in the scriptures where he's like yeah. uh, like according to i think he says something along the lines of in light of who god is like everything yeah. that he has been worked for and he was he was a jew of a jew he was yeah. the highest the top student of gamaliel yeah, yeah. like he was in line to be the next high priest like all of that he was, was he the high, maybe not like, but well, the head of the pharisees or something yeah, yeah he yeah, could yeah, have yeah. been okay maybe not the high priest but yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was in a such a trajectory to be one of the top, top leaders yeah, yeah, yeah. of the jewish religion right and he says and he was very well learned man he knew how to write he was a roman citizen mm. and he says all of that account is rubbish yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the so, word he uses is crap like yeah yeah, yeah 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 so so you can fall into the other thing yeah. itself but having said that i think it's really important to explore what is true and theology mm. is very important and uh, like you can't fall on either side of the cliffs there's like a like a balance yeah right? there like even uh, thinking about um the the other side of it like thomas aquinas really smart guy offered his intellect up to god you know and as uh, scott i've heard i've heard scott han say this faith is supernatural reason it's like there are certain things we can know uh and there's a limit to that because it's material reality and we have certain but there are certain things that are revealed to us we don't uh, like we learn maths because someone taught it to us you know i i don't think i could have figured out mm. calculus unless i was uh, newton or the other fella like you know in in france but uh the thing is there are certain things that are divinely revealed to us because we wouldn't have come to that knowledge by ourselves yeah. uh the the example would be people like uh, saying john maria vianney is a is a priest the curiars <laughs> sorry <laughs> so uh the, the priest of uh, the town called ars so uh he he was so dumb like you know people said he was too stupid to become a priest and they were like because, because he just really wanted to be a priest they were like okay we'll make him priest <laughs> and send him to this backwater place in france and he changes the place completely because of his knowledge of god and his preaching everything it's so deep it's so theologically deep and this mm. guy was too dumb to become a priest and they were really stuck for priest like you know if you're too dumb to re- you're really not smart like you know so that kind of thing so there is that thing where you you um knowledge 
and love kind of come in hand in hand. Yeah. So you uh, like um, the catechism teaches us uh, we, we are we have three faculties: intellect, will, and intellect, will, and passions. So our intellect is supposed to know the truth, and our will is to love. Yeah. do the good which is love so if we know god we're supposed to love god or we can just decide to love god and slowly god will increase our knowledge of him you know like he did mm. for the saints actually yeah. so we are out of time all right, right. okay yeah so we're going to continue all these conversations about different topics through the other episodes uh but i guess the purpose of this first one was to establish that there is truth right um and that we can pursue towards finding truth yeah and how theology is important so hopefully the last hour and a half or more was helpful to some people <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is just the beginning that we're going to like be more focused on very specific topics man uh, next time you should share your faith journey like you know from cuz yeah. i've been inspired by your integrity more than anything else like you know so it's like it's something that that's it's, worth it's in the next next podcast yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'll wrap this up um So yeah, thank Is you for being here. Is there something we should do for wrapping stuff up? Like should we? Uh, no, I don't know. Just, like we didn't plan this. Yeah, yeah, I wish. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah, fade yeah. this out. Yeah, <laughs> so fade this out. Yeah.